the beginning of prayer is silence. God speaking in the silence of the hearts. And then we start talking to God from the fullness of the heart, and he listens. My wife got really mad at me the other day, um, and just out of nowhere, I, I always get lost, you know, just a thing. But out of nowhere, she said, you really have no sense of direction, do you? And I was like, where did that come from? That one takes a second. I thought it was pretty smart. Welcome to episode 126. So glad to be back with you. If you're a first time listener, welcome. If you're returning, so glad to have you back. Please make sure if you have not yet done so, you rate and review this podcast on whatever device or app you are listening to it on. It helps other people find it. You can go to our website, manafoodforthought.com, all spelled out to find all of our content. You can click on the Patreon button to become a financial sponsor for as little as $1 a month and patrons get perks. So for all of our patrons, thank you for supporting this podcast. It's so I'm so blessed by the fact that you would want to support this in any way. Um, it does cost money for this podcast to run, and so I hope it blesses you. And the highest compliment you can pay us if this podcast does bless you is to share it with friends and family or to uh, post about it on social media. Just make sure you tag us at Mana Food for Thought, all spelled out on Instagram, or at Mana F, the number four T on Twitter. It's great to be back with you. Let's get into joy, junk, and Jesus. My joy this week is that my parents were out to visit for the weekend from Palm Desert. I'm sure they appreciated a reprieve in the weather. They went from um, hell to the surface of the sun, basically, because it's been so hot everywhere. So I don't really think it made that big of a difference. But it was good to have them with us. And uh, tonight, as I'm recording this, um, we get to have a date night with Tony and Jenna. And all of our kids are being babysat. And that rarely, I think we've been able to do that like once before. So I'm so excited. Um I really hope Jenna does not go into labor before this happens because I really just want to hang out with them. So that's my joy. Um, my junk is, uh, first of all, our daughter Hannah is just developing this pattern of having meltdowns when she gets dropped off for preschool. And that's really hard. And my wife is the one who drops her off. So it's really hard because I'm not there and I can't do anything. And I, I want to help and I want her to be comfortable and happy with school. And, you know, I... All these things come up. Like, am I, did I mess my kid up? Am I making them afraid of this? Did I overprepare them? Like, is there something wrong with her? You know, like all these, and I'm sure they're normal parent fears. Every parent at some point, multiple times throughout uh, their life feels like they're a bad parent. And uh, pretty much all the time that is just not true, you know? So I'm trying to remind myself of that, that this is just a phase and, you know, pray for her and um, support her and have conversations with her to try and figure out why she's so upset. And I think she just, you know, she wants our attention and um, just need to give her more of that and assure her that if she doesn't get the same attention at school that she does at home, that's okay. That that's always waiting for her. So anyway, that's been a little junky. Another junky thing is that, okay, I don't want to get too far into this, but I run something called RCIA. The Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults. It's how adults convert to Catholicism or finish their preparation for the sacraments. There's a change going on where that's going to be changed to the OCIA, the Order of Christian Initiation of Adults. And there's a series of webinars about this, of all these people involved in liturgy and formation from across the country. And I went to the first one last week, and there was like 900 people on this webinar. And basically... 
when it comes down to it, they say that this update is really just an update in terminology and translation. So sure, guess how many webinars are in this series of webinars solely about this update in translation and terminology? 20. There are 20 hour and a half webinars. If there is not a better description of waste of time, like I cannot think of one. And I don't, I don't know why we as a church have to prolong these things that could be done so quickly. I mean, literally like a handout that says the differences and why, and then like a couple Q&A sessions, you know, great. Maybe some best practices advice, like put your resources into things that help people in this ongoing process, not just to like, you know, beat us over the head with webinars about a change in terminology. Oh my gosh. Uh, so anyways, that's junky. And then my Jesus moments have been uh, our Catholicism 101 program has started back up Sunday mornings. So if you're in the area and you want to learn uh, in a dynamic way about the fundamentals of Catholicism and um, do it in really great welcoming community, every Sunday after the 9 a.m. Mass at 1015, there's a talk in the hall for about 30 minutes that I give. And then you can stick around for discussion or you can take a discussion guide home and use it with friends or on your own for own reflection. It's a really great way to just kind of kickstart your week and, um, and learn more about the vast beauty and intellectual tradition of our faith. Uh, and then we had Bible study last night and there was an uh, increasing number of people there, tons of new people and returning faces. So good to see. Uh, I cannot wait until we fill the hall and it is slowly creeping larger and larger and larger. So if you haven't yet come to an in-person Bible study and you're in the area, please do. Monday's at 7.30. I would love to see you and meet you or see you again. So those are my Jesus things. Uh, one of my other Jesus things, which has been in the news, is that great interview that Shia LaBeouf did with uh, Bishop Barron about his conversion to Catholicism. And that uh, inspired the podcast uh, for this episode, or this episode of the podcast, the content, the theme. So I'll have a link to that interview if you haven't seen it yet. Um, it's really just really cool. Um, there's been a lot of mixed um, emotions in the Catholic world about it. Some people seeing it as like a, or having negative things to say about it, which is, you know, when the prodigal son comes home, like why have anything negative to say, elder brothers and sisters, but um, read the story, get the point. But anyways, um, really, really great. Um, I hope that the, that the church and other believers don't put too much pressure on him as a celebrity in the public eye to be perfect at this because that's impossible and that can really be crippling. But uh, the thing I really want to bring up is not so much the interview and processing it or my response to it, because I think it's just a great thing when anyone comes to know the Lord. Um, but I'm going to call this episode Pray Like Pio, not to talk about how Padre Pio plays, but to talk about how Shia LaBeouf uh, prays, because he just played Padre Pio in an upcoming biopic on St. Padre Pio, and that's what inspired this whole conversion. And he simply talks about that when he first met Bishop Barron, Bishop Barron was coming to a place where he was staying and learning about um, the life of the friars that lived there um, to get to know his role better. And Bishop Barron came to speak, and he talked about um, Mother Teresa's formula for prayer. And it really struck Shia, and it really struck me. I had never heard it before. Maybe you have, and this is repeat, but I, I think this is something so beneficial because prayer is, this is our relationship with God. This is how we commune with him. Like, if we get this wrong, like, we are... We're not connected to him. Like, this is everything. And he said the prayer, the formula, it's simple. It's uh, silence leads to loving thoughts. Loving thoughts lead to loving actions. And loving actions lead to peace. 
And so he gives an example, like he goes into the chapel and he tries to do this and he, he quiets his mind and he tries to, to allow loving thoughts to come. And it's not the first, second, third, fourth, fifth or whatever thought, but eventually he thinks, um, you know, you should call your mom and tell you you love her. So that's a loving thought. And then he does that loving action and he has a short interaction with her. Their relationship was not going well at that time. Um, and then hangs up the phone and he feels peace and he literally like put this into practice immediately and it worked. And I, I can see so well how this happens and prayer gets so convoluted. There are so many different styles and t types of prayer and so many complicated, you know, uh, methods of prayer out there, like, you know, um, the Ignatian examine or the prayer process by Matthew Kelly, like these are all good things, but they're so multi-step that this just seems like so, it just cuts through everything and really gets to the heart of relationship. Like when you're encountering, encountering anyone else, you really need to, in order to listen to them, to receive them and, and have a relationship with them, you need to, at some point, quiet your mind of everything else, focus in, and that will result in a loving encounter, loving thoughts about them. And then you want to do something about that to deepen your relationship. And when you build that relationship based on trust and love and, you know, uh, shared experiences of love and intimacy, that results in peace. And it doesn't mean that everything will be great, but just peace is the fruit of silence. And this is how it happens, you know. Um, and so I, I tried to do some research as to where this came from by Mother Teresa. I think it's in uh, No Greater Love, which is a book she wrote or is a collection of her writings or sayings, but I'm not sure. I, I've found some excerpts that are very much along these lines. Um, but what I, I kept coming across is all these quotes or things from Mother Teresa. Um, you know, she once said, my secret is quite simple. I pray. And that's what allowed her to become this, you know, revered figure, this saint. And so one of the quotes I found that's very similar to this, uh, she says, the beginning of prayer is silence, God speaking in the silence of the hearts. And then we start talking to God from the fullness of the heart and he listens. So out of silence is born this loving thought, loving interaction, which then should compel us to do something. And this was true of her own life. I found a copy of her daily schedule when she was with the Sisters of Charity and she would wake up at 4.30 in the morning. She would get up and get cleaned up for about 30 minutes. Then at five, she would spend an hour and a half uh, praying and going to mass. And then at 6.30, spend an hour and a half uh, with doing breakfast and cleaning up. And then from 8 a.m. to 12.30, she would work for the poor. She would go and serve them. From 12.30 to 2.30, there'd be lunch, clean up, and resting. 2.30 to 3, she'd have some time for spiritual reading and meditation. 3 to 3.15, she would have a tea break. Love that. Um, and then from 3.15 to 4.30, she would go to adoration for an hour and 15 minutes. I love that it was like rest, do some spiritual reading, get some tea, go see Jesus in adoration. Like that's so good. And then she'd go back and work for the poor for three hours from 4.30 to 7.30 p.m. She'd come back 7.30 to 9, dinner and cleanup. She'd do nighttime prayers at 9 and she'd go to bed at 9.45. And then she'd wake up the next day and do it all over again. She'd get almost eight hours of sleep, I think. Wait, math is wrong. No, seven hours, a little less than seven hours. Um, but still, that's all you need is, as an adult, really. Um, but I love that that was like, it, there was so much in her day that was in quiet and prayer, and then that compelled her to action. And you could see that just in her daily schedule. Uh, and you see this in scripture all over the place. Exodus 14, 14, one of the more often quoted ones where it says, the Lord will fight for you. You only have to keep still. But the fruitfulness of knowing God's present with you and fighting for you in your life comes out of the silence. 
Psalm 62, verse 6, My soul, be at rest in God alone, from whom comes my hope. Resting in God, not resting in power, in money, in our pursuits or goals or aspirations, not thinking that we're going to have satisfaction and fulfillment in those things, but recognizing none of those things can make us happy long term. They never last. They run out or, or we get become dissatisfied with them. Only in resting in God alone does our soul find peace and hope. In Matthew chapter 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus is talking about prayer, I think this is like right before, right after he um, delivers the Lord's Prayer. But he says, uh, but when you pray, go to your inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father in secret. And your Father who sees you in secret will repay you. Now, most houses at this time did not have rooms. You know, they had little half walls, and there was no like place where you could go in secret. So it's clear Jesus is speaking metaphorically here for the inner room of, of your heart. And to kind of shut out everything else, meaning be silent, and pray to your Father in secret, meaning just between you and him. Not about boasting, not about going through the motions, not about trying to earn God's love, but to recognize that this is a relationship that I'm entering into. Jesus modeled this in his own ministry. In Mark 1, 35, and countless other places, we see phrases like, Rising very early before dawn, Jesus left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. He modeled this perfectly, going off into silence, getting away from the noise, and being in communion with God. And out of that came his actions, and out of those actions came peace for others. And lastly, Romans 8.26, it says, The Spirit, too, comes to the aid of our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit itself intercedes with inexpressible groanings. I love this because it reminds us, like, even though when we don't know how to pray, if we can just silence ourselves and come into a place where we are welcoming the Lord into our life, the Holy Spirit will intercede, will speak on our behalf, will allow these loving thoughts to arise, compel us to loving action, will bring this fruit of peace. And so I don't know if you've had a chance to look at or listen to that interview, but that for me was a huge highlight to bring that into my own prayer life because I think prayer, as I said, can be very difficult. It's one of those things that seems so simple when we read about it in the lives of the saints and in all the vast variety of ways that we have to pray, all the traditions that we have in Catholicism. And yet when we sit down to do it, we can be so busied by noise. Like, what do I do? Am I going to be in scripture? Am I going to journal? Am I going to pray the rosary? Am I talking? Like, what do I want to ask God for? And just starting with quiet and allowing just kind of loving thoughts to arise. It's just like when you do Lexio Divina, when you're reading the Bible, you quiet your mind, you read scripture, and you wait for what stands out to you. What is the spirit sparking in your mind? You know, a loving thought a, or an, an inspired thought. And then to take that and reflect on it and to ask, okay, God, what do you want me to do with this? Now what? And that is the fruit of prayer. It's the fruit of scripture. And that brings peace. Um, I always say, if uh, I can tell you how much peace you have if you tell me what your prayer life looks like. Because peace is really the fruit of prayer. But when we do prayer properly, just going through the motions is not going to do it. Doing the same dry routine every single day, even if you get some fruitfulness from it, you know, we need variety in all of our relationships. Otherwise, our relationships get stale. We go through the motions. We become bitter, resentful. We feel like, where did all the love go? Where did all the passion and excitement go when we first met? That's the same thing is true in our relationship with God. We cannot just routinify our relationship with God to the point where we think it's just going to be automated. No relationship can be automated if it's still going to be bearing fruit. So praying, 
loving God, serving God, encountering him in the quiet, that's a full-time job. It's something we should do at every moment of our day, carry him with us in the silence of our minds and kind of quiet down and not be busied by the noise of life or work, even when we're at work, but have the sense of like, even though all of this chaos and busyness is going on around me, I'm not going to be caught up in it. I'm not going to let it steal my joy or my peace. I'm going to welcome God here and encounter him here, even in the most unlikely and unexpected of situations. So next time you're struggling to pray, next time you want to sit down and pray and really have a fruitful experience, use Mother Teresa's method because it worked for Bishop Barron, who shared it with Shia, it worked for him, it's worked for me, and that is quiet leads to loving thoughts, loving thoughts leads to loving actions, loving actions lead to peace. I hope that blesses you, my brothers and sisters. That is all I have for you this week. Until next time, I will see you in the Eucharist. God bless. Thank you.